something he's brought his hands on. This was a title that's spoken of a lot today by Romans a little bit. It's called Divine Mercy. I'm going to do a pastor on that and Steve Andrews. We've been together and, and different people that we've seen over the years. And it's just been amazing. And in Oklahoma, the weather usually changes around the peace time. And so we start feeling that uh, desire to you know, come together and you know, be, be together for the peace. And of course, the monarch butterflies. Not so many this year, but I did see a few of them flying around, which is always a indication that that time is, is there. And anyway, I want to encourage everyone to, to come to the feast and those that may be listening and that maybe you cannot get out, please tune in and, and, and join us on the internet if you can and, and rejoice at the feast because that's what it's all about. We are acting out that plan of God that, that God has set forth in, in His Holy Word, and as Ken said, it's another time in which we can come before God and reason and understand this truth. In the, um, let's see, how do I want to put this? The Jews have a, um, a yearly thing that they do on the on the Day of Atonement, which is to read. Book of Jonah. Well, this year I decided I would uh, do that, and all of a sudden, Jonah was very, very interesting. I began to see some things that I hadn't seen before, and maybe everyone here has already seen them. So, but it, it's very—it's it, quite a short little book. It's only four chapters, very few verses, but there's. A, a lot of interesting stuff in the book of Jonah that just really is quite profound because it shows something of God's nature and His desire that no one perish. Whatever He can do to, to keep people from perishing, He will do it, even if it's just a temporary thing. And so the book of Jonah is an interesting um, interesting little book. And I, I'm just winging it, and you all will have maybe some other thoughts and things. So I'm just going to make this a sermon of the, of the book of Jonah, and we're just going to go through it. And I'm not going to read every verse, because I've got some thoughts that are, that are there. But you know, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. What, what does that tell you about God? That he sits there and is oblivious to what's going on in, in the world, 
Or does this tell you that God is always aware of what's going on in the world and the lives that people are living and how the, the world is going and how it is becoming more and more wicked in its own way as we approach the divorce season. And we know that eventually the kingdom will come because of the wickedness of the world. And it will come to a point in which all of mankind will come to the brink of total disaster because man will, will try to destroy uh, one another. Now, Jonah. Jonah means dove. So God's going to send a dove to the most wicked city in the world at that time, which was Nineveh. But Jonah, I, I love this because Jonah says, oh, well, wait a minute now. If you're going to send me there. So Jonah rose and flee to the opposite direction. <laughs> says, I'm going to go to Tarshish. You want me to go to Nineveh. Now I want to go this way. You want me to go that way. In the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so that he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish in the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord. Now, remember what David said about being uh, hiding from the presence of the Lord. There is no way. No matter where you go, God knows where you're at. Where you're at. Well, okay. I, I think this guy get a little exasperated when he said, "You gonna do this?" I, when I was, I, I think all of us have stories, don't we? We all have the beginning stories of our life. <laughs> what happened uh, at that beginning of our life? Now, when God began to call us. I think that's, to me, that was essentially the beginning of my life. When God began to work in my life was the beginning of, truly the beginning of my life. And I was sitting, as I've said before, in a Zenith radio, listening to a booming voice, you know, telling me all about what the Bible says. Well, at 10 years old, that's, it's not very difficult to understand that that just kind of went over my head because I was really wanting to listen to music or different other stories that were on the radio. But at that time, it was easy to find Herbert Armstrong, Carter Strive Armstrong. I mean, making a lot of preaching about the kingdom of God. And don't believe me, believe the Bible and get it out and look at it and see if it isn't true. And he would preach and preach and preach that truth. Powerful. So here I was at that age, and it kind of went over my head. And my mother started taking me to Plain Truth and all of the different things that were going on in my life. And so um, there were different opportunities to actually accept Christ as my personal Savior when I was young. But as a teenager, it was uh, kind of like Jonah. I wanted to go this way. God wanted me to go that way. He had to come and, you know, lead me back a little bit like he did Jonah. And he did after many, many uh, difficult times and uh, a lot of things that I uh, regret and had to uh, repent of. And we'll find out that also Jonah did the same. So, 
what does God do to get Jonah to do the right thing? <laughs> so we, we find out the Lord sent out a great wind. <laughs> Jonah's in this ship. And so he sends out this great wind, and the, and the tempest is so great, it's just rocking this ship. And the mariners were afraid. <laughs> they, you know, they'd, they'd been in the ship, and it was getting really bad. And, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But where was Jonah? Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Now this thing is rocking back and forth kicking back and forth like this. And God had sent this giant, huge waves and all of this. And he was sound asleep. It's interesting that I think in some of those ships they actually had, uh, like, hammocks. So they hang them on, you know, they nail. You lay in this hammock and you just kind of get rocked back and forth. And, of course, as that ship is going and rocking gets more. But he was sound asleep. And... So, the captain came down to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider uh, us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and lot fell upon Jonah. Interestingly enough, then they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause this trouble is on us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? And, and what people are you? Boy, they were asking a lot of questions because they were desperate. Come on, Jonah, let me know what's going on with this. And he says, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men know that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. <laughs> okay. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you? Oh boy. What shall we do that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. I wanted to... I wanted to stop right here, and I wanted to think about some, some things that are in the New Testament that relate somewhat to this through our Savior Jesus Christ. First of all, what was when Jesus came up out of the baptism of John, and he came up, what was given to him at that time? Wasn't it the Holy Spirit? And what was the Holy Spirit coming down as? Jonah. A dove. It came down as a dove. What did Jesus do? Did Jesus run from his commission that he was given? No. The first thing Jesus does is he confronts his commission by going to battle with Satan. The Spirit leads him in to the wilderness to battle Satan. Unlike Jonah, 
Jesus knew what his position was, where he was, what he was going to have to do. He understood that he was going to come before a group of people, essentially that were going to reject him. And they did. We're going to find out something about Jonah and about the people that he goes to that is really interesting because God really is merciful. And because of Jesus' willingness to live and to die and to be resurrected and to sit at the right hand of the Father, we have great mercy today because we understand the kingdom of God that is coming to this earth. So let's pick it back up here. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And by the way, remember also that Jesus was asleep in in a, a ship, and the sea was tossing around. And they went over, and they were all scared. All his disciples were scared. What's going on? What's happening? He says, oh, you have a little faith. And he waves, and he says, wind stops. <laughs> and it's all the way, and wind stops, and it's back to calm. Well, that doesn't work with this, because they have to throw him over. So he says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with his innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked Jonah up, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased and it was uh, from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now, whether they stayed you know, faithful to God after that, uh, there's, there's no indication about that. But anyway, they were uh, very, very um, convinced that there was power there. So, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So, that always brings us back to what Jesus said. It says there's, there is... Um, they were asking him for a sign. What is the sign? And so he says, there's only one sign for this generation. That I will be in the grave uh, for three days and three nights. Um, in, in, the, in the earth for three days and three nights. And so he looked back into the book of Jonah. And that, this is, these things were already set up. So it's very interesting as you go through that and you see some, some things that, that came right out. Jesus used. So Jonah prayed. <laughs> Jonah prayed. He's in the belly of the fish. What else has he done? Pray, Lord, help me. No, his prayer is powerful. His prayer is very strong. He says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of the shield I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, and all your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I took again towards, uh, towards your holy temple. I looked again towards your holy temple. The water surrounded me into, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down into the moorings of the mountains, and the earth was with its bars closed behind me forever, yet you have brought me 
thy life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul faded within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. And those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Now, that's a powerful prayer, but probably didn't need to go through all that, did he? <clears throat> if he had a, if he'd done the commission in the first place. And you know, that sometimes we are, in our own lives, are reluctant to do what God wants us to do. And yet, when we do it, as Ken had mentioned some of the things that he mentioned about the Sabbath and, and being obedient to God, when we do it, God blesses us. And, and the bad part about Jonah is becomes kind of angry with God for some reason. And I, I've still, you know, all this time I've read through it many times, and I've thought about Jonah, and I've thought about how powerful this situation was that he was in, and what he had to do, and then he becomes angry with the whole point, the whole thing. So let's continue on. A powerful prayer. He's out on the land. Maybe it looked kind of weird after being three days and three nights in the fish, his belly. I don't know. Did he take all the hair off? Did he, you know, did he look kind of bleached out? Um, what did he look like when he was tossed up onto the land? The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Jonah, come on now. This is it. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to the, the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord, now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey, three days' journey. Jonah began to enter into the city the first, uh, first day, and then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. So, the first day, Jonah picks it up, and he goes into this city, and he begins to preach this message over and over. We find that this city has, um, what is it, a hundred and some thousand, uh, it's all right at the end here, 120,000 persons, 120,000 people. A three days journey with 120,000 people that he's got to preach to. Now, of course, <laughs> we know what, um, what it's like uh, when, when somebody comes through there and all of a sudden, the gossip begins to spread and spread and spread. There, there's a guy walking through our city, and he's telling us to repent. Are we going to repent? Is it that serious? He says in 40 days. The whole of Nineveh is going to be overthrown. So for, for at least, so as he walks through this city, Day one, day two, and day three. It's interesting, three days. Another three. Preaching this message. And that's all he's doing, just preaching this message over and over again. And then it's spreading throughout this 120,000 people. So what happens? Now, 
Let's go back. Let's go back to Abraham. And let's let's think about what happened um, with Abraham and God and the angels that came. And in this situation, God comes up, tells Abraham, look, the cry of wickedness has come up before me. And I am going to go and I'm going to check it out. This is Sodom and Gomorrah, and I think there was like five cities all over in uh, all together. But Sodom and Gomorrah are the ones that are mentioned. And so what does what does Abraham do? He appeals to God. He appeals to God's mercy, doesn't he? If there are fifty people in the city, will you destroy all of them for those 50 righteous people. The guy says, no. If I find 50 righteous, there, the cities are preserved. You know, and then it's 25, and, you know, and then it gets down to 10. And he says, well, okay. If there are 10 righteous people in the city, I will not destroy the city for 10 righteous people. I tell you what. That shows God's mercy, trying to, and and it also shows that he, he is willing to listen. He is willing to listen to us if we come to Him and we we reach out to Him and we're in in our own need. He is willing to listen to what we have to say. And so, unfortunately, the only one is Lot, his wife, and came back and looked back and turned to salt and two dogs. They went to a town called Zor, which was also very wicked, and they ended up in the mountains because of the wickedness of Zor. But God said that if he found ten righteous people, he wouldn't destroy it. Well, he didn't find ten righteous, all he found was Lot. And really, probably just Lot. That he got out of that, and the angels had to pick him up and toss him out. I mean, they, they told him, "Hey, you can't even look back because I am going to destroy all of this wickedness." But God was going to be merciful if He could find ten righteous people in that in those cities, and He could not. Well, it's interesting to think when that day comes. God's wrath is going to have to be poured out on this earth. The wickedness that's going to be there. He says, just like in the days of Noah, the wickedness is going to be on the earth. Just like in the days of Noah. We're already taking, we're already doing a lot of things in this world that I'm sure are very upsetting to God. And all the things that He's created and how he's taught us, and all of those things are, are uh, all of the, the truth that he, that's there and available and under, to be understood is being overturned by those that want to live in wickedness. So let's find out what the Ninevites actually do. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. 
It would be nice if the world would do that anyway. You know, Jesus, when he came up after fighting with, with, with Satan and men, the first thing he does, what does he do? He gets up and he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, the world that we live in, and the nation that we live in, needs repentance because of the wickedness that is beginning to, to permeate this society. It's getting more and more difficult um, in the society that we live in. And see, even in Tulsa, which used to be a fairly quiet town, it seems like there's always a daily murder or something going on and daily uh, all kinds of things that are happening in this city. So anyway, in Nineveh, they proclaim a fast. And the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, laid aside his throne, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout, throughout Nineveh by a decree of the king and his uh, nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that they may not perish? They were actually doing this on, on, on faith that what Jonah was saying was going to happen was true. He said, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? And God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil ways. God relented from the disaster that he said that he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. That's divine mercy. That is divine mercy. That's a wicked city that repents. The mercy of God reaches us. It's, 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 it's loving kindness for His creation. Uh, and it's, it's rejoicing for God to see men repent. Isn't it? To see men change their lives from the wickedness that they live and the wickedness that they, they have. To see men change. It is a joy for God to do that and to, to have uh, mercy on people. All of us have had God's mercy, haven't we? When God began to call us out of this world, and He began to pull on us, okay, you're being called out of this world, called, and, and begin to, to open the, the, the Bible to us, open the, the Word, help us to understand it more and more, and help us to come to that point in which we can repent of our sins because we see who we are and what we are because God reveals it in His Word. I wasn't very old when God showed me about that that I wasn't very good either. I had to, I had to come to that I had to come to that point, this 
um, yes, I want I want to be your son. I want to be in your kingdom. I want to have a part in it, and I'm willing to do what needs to be done. The unfortunate part of this wonderful thing that happened and all of this uh, mercy that came upon this city of Nineveh, it's just like a beautiful cloud that came over them. They said, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. I don't know what he had. I mean, I, I'm not sure whether um, something had happened in his life that the Ninevites had created or some kind of thing that happened, but he was he was angry <laughs> at the miracle that was just performed on these people. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not I, this what I said when I was still in the, in the country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. In Jonah's heart, he knew the character of God. And yet he was angry. He understood how loving God is. How how it is that he was he's willing to, to, to reach out and not do harm. Remember the, uh, the, the story, and I'm not going there, because all of us are very familiar with it. When Moses goes up into the mountain, and he's getting the, the tablets and stuff, but down below, the, um, the Israelites in the camp now are sinning. And they are really sinning. They have created a golden calf. They have done everything wicked thing that they could think of to do down there. And they're talking about going back to Egypt, and they're talking about, you know, worshiping this calf and all of this. And Moses is up there receiving the law in the, in the presence of God, in the power of God. And God says, um, I see what's going on down there. Those people that you brought out <laughs> of Egypt, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill them all. I'm gonna start all over with you. you. <laughs> Moses, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're gonna destroy your own people that you just brought out from. And he, he, he stood in the breach. I mean, he was in the presence of God, in the power of God, and he understood that if God did that, all the nations around him would see that. And so he asked for God's mercy on his own nation. He said, yeah, and, and God relented, even though they were punished. Yeah, they, they were punished. It's, to me, it's always been interesting, because the people that he chose were some of the most rebellious people. Hard, stiff-necked Israelites. They just had a difficult time with all the miracles that they had to see God and see His mercy and see His graciousness and see all of the things that He had. And yet, they continued to sin 
for 40 years in the wilderness, they would gripe and grumble and, and all kinds of stuff. And God had to, to correct them. And sometimes they would, uh, there was so much rebellion. And sometimes they would lose thousands. And sometimes they would go out to battle and God wasn't with them. There was all kinds of things that happened to Israel. And yet, through all of that, do you realize that God still loves and still loves Israel? Down to this day. He still wants to, to, to be there with God. Wants to be there with God. Wants to be our God. And we, we believe and we understand that we love Jesus and we love God the Father and we love what's going on and we understand the kingdom. But we look at some of the things and we say, wow, you have been so very patient. And so I think for each and every one of us, what kind of patience that he has sometimes when we we do things that God doesn't want us to do and we, we understand that and we realize that. But God is there. He's willing to, to forgive us. He's willing to be merciful to us. Um, he loves us as his children. Um, <laughs> so let's go back to Jonah as we finish up here. That's not a very long message today. And that's, that's okay. I, wa- I wanted to just to bring this out just because I was thinking about it and just thinking about all the different things that were there. But I really have a hard time with Jonah. Um, he's seen a miracle. He's seen <laughs> thousands of people repent. All of a sudden, thousands of people repent. And then he tells God, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> you're gracious, merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And so all of us think, and the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Who has a question? Why are you angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. So he was, what is he going to see? Well, is God going to keep his word and not you know, destroy it in 40 days? Um, so I'm just going to sit here and watch. And the Lord prepared a plant made it come up over Jonah, uh, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Interesting, isn't it? But as the morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. No more, no more shade. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He said, Is it right for me to be for me to be angry even to death? The Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. Kind of interesting, the the relationship that uh, God has here with with Jonah and trying to help him to understand, why are you this way? Why are you so angry? Why why are you being this way? And it's interesting that the book of Jonah just ends 
without really opening us to understand what Jonah really did after that. It's almost like it just keeps it in the keeps Jonah in the dark, doesn't it? God says, and should I not have pity? And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between the right hand and the left and much livestock? You know, because that was the original intent. If they didn't repent, God was going to destroy them like Sodom and Gomorrah. That was how wicked they were. That was the situation. And Jonah, knowing God, being that kind of a, a loving God, because that's what he is, a loving God, is graciful, gracious, uh, gracious and merciful, is, has divine mercy. <laughs> Sometimes we, we don't understand why he's so merciful, but it's divine mercy. He knows we're bad. He knows we're weak. He knows us. He knows our frame. And so when he comes to the end, he says, this is, all these people, they've been, they, they're not going to perish. Why are you angry, Jonah? Then I think about Jesus. And the situation that he found himself in. And after he came up out of, out of the baptism, and he began to walk among his own people, and he began to preach, and he began to heal, and he began to, to, you know, miracle after miracle after miracle. And they rejected him. He even went to his own city, and he read right out of the book of Isaiah, and he, and he told them, he says, you know, a prophet is not a honored even in his own city. And they were so angry with him, they were they wanted to stone him to death and not kick him over the walls of Timpsu. And, and, and he had to flee. He had to, he had to leave. He came to his own people and they rejected him. God has given this most powerful opportunity. I mean, Jesus was healing. He was preaching to thousands. He was healing and casting demons out. And all kinds of things were Powerful things were happening around him. I mean, people, a lady touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed. Another lady who was, you know, he said, well, I come to, I, I come to, to, the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I, I, can't, I can't help you because you're, you're not of that, you know, that tribe. She said, yeah, but the, you know, she says, the crumbs, Fall off the table for the dogs. You know, that's, that's me. That's, that's what I am. You know, that's, and Jesus saw her faith. He says, "The demon has left your child." That was so powerful. You know, to to understand what Jesus was going through, to understand all the things that he was having to go through as he was preaching and teaching, and he was healing and. Um, and he was teaching his disciples, and he was walking through different things, and he was, and all of this that we have to understand it. And then, what do they do at the end? They reject 
Jesus forgiven. Crucify him. Crucify him. Now we go back to the book of Jonah. Three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And thankfully, God resurrects him out of death. And today, he sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So we can see some some things of the mercy, the love, the concern for, I think, there's always, uh, just like Jim was reading there, the uh, the watchman, the need um, to to continue to watch what's going on in the world. And there's a lot of people that are, that are very aware of what's happening, very aware of what, you know, the, the things that are happening in the world, very aware of the, the situation. We live in a dangerous society, don't we? But we have a great hope, and that's our Savior Jesus Christ. We have a great hope because we're, we're going into a, a period of time in Feast of Tabernacles that is expanding our understanding of God's great plan on the earth. We will intervene. We will bring about his kingdom. We will have uh, a wonderful part in that because he has also been very merciful, and he'll be merciful to many, many. And as many as come and repent, they will have opportunity to be in his kingdom.